Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. Now, in the previous episode, I discussed Lucifer, Satan, the adversary, and the prince of this world. I went into a lot of detail talking about his origins, um, painting a picture of the enemy. Something that I believe with all my heart and soul, can't nobody tell me that we focus a lot on the enemy or that believers, so to speak, are um, ultimately trained to have the mind of the serpent. They may be told so, but do they truly understand the mind of the serpent? Who is the serpent to you? You know, how real of a threat do you feel that he is to you? Do you just feel that he's keeping you from the promotion? Do you just feel that he's jumping in and out of your children, causing havoc, you know, in the home? Do you feel like uh, he's jumping? Yeah, the devil's doing all those things too. But if you think that that's his only, uh, agenda that's the only goal and purpose then you are like I said if um he is your if he is your opponent and there is a match being played or if there's a a world series being played how can you show up batting your best at the world series how can you show up being MVP how can you show up winning the bowl how are you going to show up just bringing home the trophy if you not only one on your A game, but two, know what the competition is doing? And if it's not the competition, it certainly is the enemy, which the enemy and the competition and the opposition, as far as I'm concerned, are all interchangeable. And so what we did in the previous episode was that, okay, I painted a picture of the ugly adversary named Serpent, uh, the devil, great dragon of old, Zeus, uh, Mammon, you, he has a million names, okay? And we talked about most of all, why okay what is his beef why does he hate mankind so much and why should we be paying attention to him at all as far as uh, his existence and how what that has to do with us moving in the right way to be righteous and most of all to get the bridge back to uh, eternal life what we know is called salvation some people think salvation is just simply uh they was in the park one day playing basketball i hear people say this all the time i'm already saved you know, they, they feel they have a relationship with God. Is that what I'm saying? Some people are believers and are not really, be- they don't even know that they're not even true believers. Okay. So, uh, I've heard people say they were on the basketball court and somebody came by and said, Hey, you know, do you believe in Jesus Christ or something like that? Just let me put my hands on you and say a prayer. And from that moment on, they thought they were saved. Some people say they were baptized and they feel as soon as they came out the water, that constitutes as saved. There's no other actors. There's, there's no faith, faith without works is dead. As far as they're concerned, their mother prayed for them. Their pastor told them they were saved and there's nothing else to do, let alone worry about the enemy. Because they feel they're, it's done. Some people just believe <clears throat> because of a side die for mankind, period. It's just entitled. <laughs> Which, that's, that's not how it works, okay? So when we're talking about, um, in the previous episode, Lucifer, Satan, the adversary, prince of this world. And prince of this world, uh, we were pretty much painting a picture of who he was and, again, what was his beef. Now, today, I want to pick up on where we left off in that episode, but tie in the most important figure of all. And that is the Messiah, the one true savior of mankind. The same way I feel that people question God all the time. Do you believe in God? Or I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. Or I do believe in a God, but not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to pick one of these Russian roulette gods out here. And most of all, like I always say, (laughs) worst case scenario, if that can't do it for you, I got 
the best one or society or the devil has the best one for you. You are your own God. You can be your own God. You can be like God. You can ascend to superhuman status and be a God. This is the same lie that has been told since the garden, okay, that you can be as God. This is how he started. This is how he started with man, selling some type of knowledge that would make them better, make them as God, like God, think as God, okay? So, um, I'm going to take a quick break to kind of brush over these notes because it is a lot, but we are going to be talking about the Messiah on today. See you after the break. All right, y'all, we're back from break. Um, two things before I begin. First thing I want to say is uh, the devil doesn't like me. He don't like none of us, to be honest with you, but I know he most certainly does not like me, okay? A lot of reasons, really, but uh, I know after the last episode that I put out there, I know the devil tried to play a lot of tricks on my life and try to maybe get me to be, oh, I don't know, discouraged or maybe shake my faith, so to speak, because he does that, okay? He, you have to know even when he's messing with you. You can't just think, oh, it's just this or it's just that or it's, a co- it's not a coincidence, okay? And it tried to delay me. And I said, you know what? I see it. But I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm just going to keep taking care of what I need to take care of because I'm going to get back to it, what I'm getting ready to do concerning him. And then some time and some days went on. And then a few days ago, I said, hmm, I know what I talked about last time. And I'm always trying to figure out what to discuss again. And again, maybe bring in another resource to tie it into. Always tell y'all that. And I started working on this episode from a few days ago. And when I tell you, everything was out of place. Uh, The book that I had all my information, my notes in, that I keep all my notes, where did it go? I was going to use some of that to try to rebuild this new episode. Child, I didn't even know where I was going with this episode. I didn't even know what I was going to do. And then I finally uh, said, well, forget all that. You got a bunch of notebooks here. Just pick anyone. And so I just started writing in a notebook that I actually used to write notes for something else. Stop trying to do things in order to just get it done. So then I started to do that. And then I realized, well, where the heck are my pens and pencils? And so I couldn't for the life of me. And it's, and, and again, uh, the pencil case uh, was missing where I usually have like a pen jar with the, uh, the, 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 the ones that were there didn't want to work. Child, you got to pay attention to these things. And then I say, you know what? I'm such a pen person. The Lord said, well, look all these pencils. Cause I keep number two pencils and I have sharpeners. Like I have a whole, you know, I, I'm, I'm a very studied booky person, post-its and index cards. The Lord said, look at them pencils over there. <clears throat> they ain't even sharpened. Right. They said, oh, you have a sharpener. Sharpen when those pencils get to work. I said, okay. So I got the, I'm sorry y'all, but I got to tell y'all this. I got the pencil. And uh, the sharpener, that's always where it's supposed to be. I couldn't find. In the middle of all this trying to search, there's something in me that just keeps saying, oh, just try again later. Why don't you stop and you know, try again later? You know, don't get yourself frustrated or work up. Uh, clearly, maybe there's a reason why. You know, just leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. But something else just kept saying, now, I'm going to find the sharpener. So I found the sharpener, and I got to sharpening, and I got to writing with this pencil. I have honestly wrote more notes down with the pencil and just kept sharpening and sharpening. And I found marker. I said, use marker. So I started using marker. I started to put together like a whole presentation. And then I started to just really take my time with it. And the more I started realizing what I wanted to do, it all has to go back to the Messiah. It's time now to talk about the Messiah. We always talk about him. We know he's a part of it, but we really need to sit there and talk about him. So then when I started to diving into doing more on the living word logos, uh, one true, um, what do you call it? Savior of mankind. 
it dawned on me that this is a uh, and how it was coming together. This thing looks like a presentation from from uh, everything, colored pencils to this to that. You would have thought I was writing a paper and a presentation and my notes alone came up to over 11 pages. I think more poured out in me pushing and trying. Child, I had to go back to the old school pencil and sharpener. And I feel like if I did it, push through to get through the pencil and sharpen it, and eventually say, well, that's because the pencil started to look so, I don't know, like it just flowed together too much. And I didn't feel like my notes stood out. So I said, I want to make it like a, like an outline. And then, then Marco, he said, well, you saw the marker, go get to work, girl. And so this is the episode that I've come up with. <laughs> okay. And I had to get that out to let the devil know that. I got the victory on that one. I'm so thankful because the boy is their word on today. The second thing that I want to say before I begin is that I wanted to read you all from Psalm 1 and 1. Reflect on a quick thought on that. And then we're going to jump into what, we, what it was that we came to do. This is just to pump us up. I'm trying to get us pumped up. I'm in, I'm in uh, Psalms now. Okay, again, this is Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. This um, first psalm is called, Blessed are the Righteous. And this one is a favorite of mine. And it's one that I um, used to reflect over for a while because it was very powerful. But now that I live a life very similar to this and I want it to be better I could totally get it and I want to share it with you all so it says blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the godly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Okay, then it just closes out to say, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I'd like to specifically focus in on verse two or verse one and two. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You don't you don't get delight in any of this. You don't want to walk in the counsel of ungodly people because what light got to do with the dark? Once you start coming into the word and you start coming, you don't want to that. You don't even want to be into the gossip, okay? That's why you don't want to stand up in the way of sinners or in the way of sinners, okay? Hanging out with them because you start to realize, let me tell you something. Light is very powerful. Light is so powerful. And that's what the Messiah is. He's the one true light of this world. Light is so powerful. That even in the darkest setting, one little flicker of a flame, whether it's from a match, whether it's from, I guess you could even say a candle or even a, a little ray coming off of a flashlight. That one piece of light, it lights up so much around you. It doesn't have to be everything. You don't have to be able to see everything. 
but for crying out loud, you're able to see. And one thing about when you are light and you are standing or, or you're shining in darkness, you'd be a fool to think the darkness don't see you because you are standing out there like a sore thumb. Which is why the Messiah said that, that uh, when he comes back or, or the, that we are like a, a priestly, a royal city, like sitting on a hill. Like that, that can be seen from a, from far and lighting up, okay? But they can see you. And one thing is when you go in amongst these candles, let's say you're a candle that's lit, and you're going amongst these candles whose flames have been put out because they're in the world, okay? They're very worldly because to love the world is to not um, love God. So when you're going around there, yes, you should be going around. If you can, try to light a, light a wick or two. But trust me when I tell you, if you hang out with them long enough, they just might blow out your flame. Hanging around you too long, they might just pass around you, start to create a little uh, uh, draft or a little breeze. And now all of a sudden, your flame is out. Now who going to light you up? Now you're sitting there in this dark room with all these other candles with they, you know, wicks is out. And you're trying to you hope. You better hope somebody come in. So you don't want to be sitting um, it's standing in the way of sinners, and you don't want to sit in the seat of the scornful. Your delight, verse 2, is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 2 stands out to me because I feel like that's what we do here. Whether you um, study like we do here, <clears throat> that's what I call it, meditating. We sit here and we meditate on the law. That is our delight. That's my delight. Now, even if you're not literally holding the book every day, the word is always in my heart. So I'm always thinking about something. I, I see things in the world. I see symbolism. Like it's, I do meditating on it. It's not supposed to be something that you just go to church and just get a quick thing here. Yes, you should be subscribed to pages and things that keep you, um, I guess you could say, encouraged on the walk. So you're not contaminated all the time with your timelines or your things being filled with the worldly stuff because it's going to take you out. But at some point, you are supposed to take the time, even if it's just on the Sabbath, the one day that the Lord God asks us to keep it holy, you are supposed to take the time to um, meditate. So this is what we do here. And on that note, I wanted to just uh, get right into what we have to do or what I want to talk about because, again, there is a lot that I want to say. So, again, the last time we was talking about Lucifer and his fall, <clears throat> I was running out of time, the plan. So right now, I want to pick up where we left off, which was the fall of Satan. We will be tying in the Messiah, his ultimate role in this, which we know, but painting a big picture. And I want to now read from you all, for you all from um, The Legends of the Jews, Volume 1. Now, y'all know, I went on and on about this book, I believe, towards the end of the summer. Um, just how much I love it and just how rich it was in biblical antiquity and history for uh, Jews. Now, in this specific section in Volume 1... And my book is on page 44, but everybody has different publications. It's specifically titled The Fall of Satan. And I want to read that to you all. So it says, The extraordinary qualities which with Adam was blessed, physical and spiritual as well, arose the envy of the angels. They attempted to consume him with fire, and he would have perished had not the protecting hands of God rested upon him. And establish peace between him and the heavenly hosts. In particular, Satan was jealous of the first man. And his evil thoughts finally led to his fall. After Adam had been endowed with a soul, God invited all the angels to come and pay him reverence and homage. 
Satan, the greatest of the angels in heaven with 12 wings instead of six like all others. Now, remember, in the previous episode, we talked about there's nine choirs of angels that um, even though there's nine choirs or nine rankings, they are separated by uh, in triads. So the nine rankings are separated in thirds. You have a first triad, a second and a third. It is said that Lucifer was a cherubim and he did was described to have 12 wings like they said here, not six like the other angels below him because they all look different. And he was actually literally second. He was in the second highest ranking. We talked about that second highest ranking of angels, which was very high. This first triad of, of, of angels, which would be three sets of angels, <clears throat> were the only ones that were allowed to be around the throne of God worshiping day and night so we know he had an ultimately high position okay a very high position but never as high as uh, the messiah okay never as high as the messiah so when he fell he fell from a very great state but i'm gonna move on to continue with what i was saying about him so in particular, again, Satan was jealous of the first man and his evil thoughts finally led to his fall. After Adam had been endowed with a soul, God invited all the angels to come and pay him reverence and homage. When they say God invited the angels to come and pay him reverence and homage, they meant Adam. Okay, God created Adam and asked all the angels to come and pay homage or just to just um, look at this. It really, I don't know that mankind understands just how um, and some if they do, it's because of the, the negative dark energy ego that they have. But I don't think it, uh, mankind understands just how special and wonderfully and fearfully, wonderfully made we were created literally perfect in the beginning. Okay, this is what we're trying to get back to, or this is the false um, climbing they're trying to do now, the ascending, or they're all waiting to ascend, or they're all waiting, you know, to open up the third. I did the new teaching is that you'll have a new body and a new mind, and it'll be supernatural. But the new body that you're supposed to be looking for, and 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 the new name and all that stuff that you're supposed to be looking for, that's gonna, in no sense, according to their definition, make you transhuman, is the one you're gonna get from the Messiah at the judgment. They're over here trying to make their own new bodies and open up their own stuff up. Again, the same tricks that the enemy uh, played in the garden, just trying to get people to open up themselves to uh, any other God other than the one true God themselves. So it says here that it asks, he asked all the angels to come and pay him reverence and homage. Satan, the greatest of the angels in heaven with um, 12 wings instead of six, like all the others refused to pay heed to the behest of God, saying... Thou didst create us angels from the splendor of the Shekinah, and now thou hast commanded us to cast ourselves down before the creature which thou didst fashion from dust of the ground. Do you hear this tone? This is the cherubim that was created by not only the one true God, but we know also the Messiah because he was with God from the beginning and had a hand in all creations and all things were created by the Messiah. We know that. We know that he didn't just come into the New Testament as just this um, earthly demigod. He pre-existed pre before the Old Testament. He existed with God. Okay. So here you have one of the created beings. Yes, higher than man, but still lower than God and the Messiah. And one that was assigned and had a great honor of being by the throne 24 hours a day, seven days a week said, 
you created us angels from the splendor of the Shekinah. And now you does command us to cast ourselves down before the creature which thou didst fashion out of the dust of the ground. This says, exclamation point, God answered, yet this dust of the ground has more wisdom and understanding than thou. Satan demanded a trial of wit with Adam, and God assented thereto, saying, I have created beasts, birds, and reptiles. I shall have them all come before thee and before Adam. If thou art able to give them names, I shall command Adam to show honor unto thee, and thou shalt rest next to the Shekinah of my glory. But if not, and Adam calls them by the names I have assigned to them, then thou wilt be subject to Adam, and he shall have a place in my garden to cultivate. it. Thus spake God, and he betook himself to paradise, Satan following him. And Adam beheld God. He said to his wife, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Now, Satan attempted to assign names to the animals. He failed with the first two that presented themselves, the ox and the cow. God led two others before him, the camel and the donkey, with the same result. Then God turned to Adam and questioned him regarding the names of the same animals, framing his question in such wise that the first letter of the first word was the same as the first letter of the name of the animal standing before him. Thus, Adam divined the proper name and Satan was forced to acknowledge the superiority, the superiority, okay, of the first man. So again, it, what happened here, thus Adam divined the proper name. It's not that Adam didn't name them. It just seemed like because he was of God and because it was of a, of a true nature and something of God, period, it was known. Why don't you, why don't you know? So he was trying to tell him exactly what to from the beginning. There's a different wisdom and understanding that I put in this man. doesn't matter that the man is in a fragile state than you. It doesn't matter that even at this point he could potentially die. I didn't put them in the key. Never put them at that point of potential point and die. It doesn't matter they don't have wings. It doesn't matter they have four faces. It doesn't even matter they don't live in the heavenly realms. That does not mean that there is no value in them or that you are 100% better. But that doesn't mean humans are better than angels either. Especially now in this fallen state. We are talking about the pre-fallen state. Okay, we're to be clear here. We're talking about the state before they bit into uh, the fruit. So it says um, Satan was forced to acknowledge the superiority of the first man. Nevertheless, he broke out in wild outcries that reached the heavens, and he refused to do he refused to do homage unto Adam as he had been bidden. The host of angels led by him did likewise. See, he led a host of angels. Because as I said, nine choirs of angels, nine rankings of angels, all separated in threes, divided by threes. Just like you have a woman who, if she carries a full term, is nine months, is divided into trimester, first, second, and third. So when they say that he took a third with him, he took a third okay i almost want to say i'm trying to figure out did he take out like there's are there six choirs standing now and three choirs are down here or did he just take a little bit of each of the nine so that doesn't matter in total it came to a third because it seemed like it oh actually it, i'm sorry am i slow it just says right here <laughs> hold up it's a 
It says right here. The host of angels with him did likewise. Yeah. Nevertheless, yeah, the host of angels led by him did the same. So the host of angels that were led by him did the same thing as he did. I'll cry, I'll cry. So he took a third of the ones that was under him. Dang. Okay. Well, we knew that, but I mean, sometimes you got to get a visual. He took a third. <laughs> I take three rankings. Anyway, let's move on. So, um, in spite of the urgent representations of Michael, who was the first to prostrate himself before Adam in order to show a good example to the other angels, Michael addressed Satan. Give adoration to the image of God. But if thou dost, doest it not, then the Lord God will break out a wrath against thee. Okay. And then Satan replied, if he breaks out in a wrath against me, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the most high. At once, God flung Satan and his hosts out of heaven down to earth. And from that moment, dates the enemy or the enmity between Satan and man. All right. I'm going to take a quick break and I'm come back. All right, y'all back from break. And so I just wanted to, once again, when he was created, he being Adam, not the world, but Adam himself, man, Man or Adam, if you see the way to describe Adam in this book, Adam was not your average human being. He was extremely tall because you got to remember pre-flood earth, especially uh, in the Adam days, the garden was massive. And so was Adam. He was in our height. It says Adam was of a gigantic stature. It said that when Adam hid in Legends of the Jews behind the trees, when God was coming after he ate the fruit, that he... um was just as tall as the tree. If not, the tree was a little bit taller. And the tree was about 375 feet. Okay? So, not only that, but his physical uh, makeup was out of this world. It was like, even his eyes. There's something about his eyes. It was almost like you see the universe in his eyes. He was very, very, I don't want to say beautiful, because I think that's a worldly thing, but um, a wonder. That's what I think is a proper, is a wonder. Okay? It was not just like, here is a man. Perfection. Really. I, I want to know, I know for a fact the first man was absolute perfection in every single way. So, it is written in the history of the Jews that, yes, not only was Satan envious, but a lot of angels were. Um, notice that it says here that Michael, in spite of the urgent representations of Michael, who was the first to prostrate himself before Adam in order to show a good example to the other angels who were in opposition. It is said that later on, each triad of angels, like we already know, have a head host. Satan was a host of, oh, I guess his, but they have a head host. And Michael, that's why, even though he's an archangel, and archangels in their triad is in the middle. There's something above the um, archangels. 
let me get I don't um above the archangels is principalities. So it's principalities, archangels, and irregular angels. That's the lowest. Regular angels is the lowest. But even though Marco is just an archangel and in that triad, he's in second ranking, he still is the leader of that triad. I don't know if they have elections, but I'm pretty sure he's been holding that spot for a long time because he's been doing an awesome job. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, it's Michael and his he Michael they said saved his entire group by doing that. Yes, when he bowed down, he literally said to them, especially the ones who was acting up, he said, hey, listen to me. Uh-uh. Follow my example. Of course, you, you, they have free will to do so, but don't do that. It will not be well with you if you do that. And if you think I'm asking you to do something that I wouldn't do, let me lead by example and do that. And he saved his entire triad. Satan's triad did not do that. And the other ones in the, in the triad that was after Satan, you see, because Michael was first, Satan said no. They got, they got immediately got casted out. The third triad was on the brink of deciding. That's what it says in history. What to do. And if it wasn't for Michael again, the last time saying, y'all just seen what just happened to the ones that didn't. And that's not to say, again, they don't have free will. But are you seriously going to sit here and play that game? And he got them to come to their senses. Okay, maybe he got through another angel or, or um, the one angel that's uh, the ranking leader. Maybe he got through to his skull. Because they all went and did it, okay? And then, of course, in time they got with the program, especially after they seen how, to, how it went Lucifer. But, you know, one person that was there, one person that was there, I wouldn't say in the shadows, I'm sure they spoke. Well, I don't think they spoke at all because they said God didn't even speak. They just said at once. He instantly flung them, boop, like a snap. Just snapped, it, snapped his fingers and they immediately was gone. was the Messiah. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? First of all, a war broke out of heaven. I think that was one hell of a war. These are archangels, and they're all ranking from the highest to the lowest. This must have been one Star Wars, like, <laughs> light show, okay? Then the third got cast down. But I know the Messiah and God know at that point something got to be done. Because even in Scripture, uh, I believe one of the prophets said, Woe unto, I saw lightning fall, uh, saying fall like lightning, or Lucifer fall like lightning from heaven. And it says something about rejoice. Uh, to the inhabitants of heaven, which would be the other angels that stayed, the two-third. Rejoice because he's not with you no more. You ain't got to worry about his nasty ruckus. But it said, woe to the inhabitants on turf because down to you he goes. And then like he's going to be ravening around, or like they said, uh, walking around the earth to and fro, seeking whom to devour on an intense, uh, ravishing kind of... Um, hunger because he knows that he's running out of time what time are they talking about till the messiah come back because right now the world has been given to him okay the man fell man fell and handed it over to him they before that it belonged to adam the whole world okay so then uh eventually we get to um the last thing i wanted to read to you all which i believe is on page 50 same thing volume of the jews Excuse me. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 1. And I wanted to, this is about Adam and Eve and the fall of man. I wanted to give you all a more uh, detailed account of that. According to the history of the Jews, again, expanding where we left off the last time. And then going into why and how to fix it all. Child, what a mess. Okay, so we have this really exile, really banished Lucifer, who is now Satan, cast down with his one-third to earth. Um, 
at this point, the earth and the garden are still under Adam's dominion. They were given to him. The entire world, the garden, dominion. The animals to name, as we saw. It, it, it was already written, but he just needed to show uh, Lucifer because he's so cocky. What do you know about what I created? What do you know about what this creature is in, in, in comparison to you? What do you know about the plans that I have for this creature? But since you know so much, let's, let's, let's make a deal. Okay, he agreed to it and then didn't follow through. We saw what happened with that. So either way, um, if you put yourself in his shoes, going back already was the whole beef started over man. Let's talk about it. The whole beef started over the creation of mankind. Did nobody say nothing about no waters? Did nobody say nothing about no sea creatures? Did nobody say nothing about the beasts of the field? Did nobody say nothing about the fowls of the air? What happened was a man was created. And when the man was created, it was some angels that said, wow, that is awesome, wonderful. You know, magnificent. Praise be God. Glory unto him. And all the rejoicing that was really genuine that they wanted to do. Well, you had some that was murmuring, like, mm, no, no. And literally, Satan opens his mouth and says, hold on. How are you going to create us from the Shekinah glory and have us, you know, that's created from Shekinah, worshiping dust from the ground. Now, this creation of man led to this cocky attitude, which exposed him. And uh, again, bow down or no, bow down or no. The test came, he failed the test. Okay, now that you failed the test, you said if you fail, you're going to bow down. Are you going to bow down now? No. And not only no, but had a fit about it. It said he outcried and outcried and rose hell. It said that the uh, the third just followed him too. Uprose and just started saying, no, 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 I refuse. Ain't no way in hell. Which he probably didn't know was created yet or was going to be destined for him to reign over anyway. Ain't no way in hell. I, I bet you don't. But you're going to get your hell. So ain't no way in hell. And he's going to get his hell. But no, he's not going to do that. And another thing, I'm going to take your spot. I'm not only just better than this thing, this dust of the ground, but I'm also better than you. Before you could probably finish the sentence, boom. Gabriel led by example. I mean, Michael led by example. Y'all going to see what you're But he was the first anyway. Okay. And then he went to the others, like I said. So we're going to move on to the fall of man according to the legends of the Jews of volume one. We are specifically talking about him now in the garden. Why I'm saying all this is because if you get down there, you're already enraged. He was enraged. You're already enraged and pissed off. And you get, you get cast out. You look around. The first thing you do after you're cursing up a storm and rah, 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 and you're like, oh my God, wait a minute. Look, look, it's Adam. It's Adam. It's Adam. The one we hate. The one we despise. Bow down to this pathetic thing. Now we're down here with him. We can't get back up here. All because we talked about him. We're from Chicago. They're too cocky. The first thing the devil did was beeline his way straight into the garden. And so it says here, among the animals, the serpent was notable. Of all of them, he had the most excellent qualities, and some of which he resembled man. Like a man, he stood upright on two feet. So the serpent had two feet before he had to crawl on the belly, remember? And in height, he was equal to the camel. So it says here, his superior mental gifts caused him to become an infidel. And likewise explains his envy of man. So notice that Lucifer and Satan both have uh, the envy of man. Well, where, where did this just come from? The envy of man only came from them up there. Right? And in Durf just created. We still a little bit past creation. So where would this come from? Okay? So it says, It likewise explains his envy of man, especially of his conjugal relations. 
Envy made him meditate ways and means of bringing about the death of Adam. He was too well acquainted with the character of the man to attempt to exercise tricks of persuasion on him. And he approached the woman knowing that women are beguiled easily. Now I'm going to read that again a little slow and break it down. It says right here, because he was the most notable, he had excellent qualities, similar to man, his envy though. But his superior mental gifts caused him to become an infidel. So superior mental gifts, he used them the wrong way. Knowledge going bad because absolute power corrupts absolutely. And knowledge too. So it likewise explains his envy of man, but it goes on to say that his envy made him meditate on ways and means of bringing about the death of Adam. Now look here. Eventually... He becomes too well acquainted with Adam's character to even try to at attempt or exercise the tricks of persuasion upon him because he understands that Adam won't fall for it. So I just sat here and told y'all in this episode, in the previous episode, our adversary, the devil, okay, the accuser, the great seven of old, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, Zeus, Mardar, Marduk, Baal, Beelzebub, okay? As far as I'm concerned, he studied Adam, his enemy. Even though he's our enemy, Adam was his enemy, okay, and God. But at that moment, in his face, it was Adam. And he didn't just jump in and try to take out Adam. He didn't just jump in with um impulse to take out Adam. The timing had to be perfect. This had to be just right. He meditated. I just, it, it's amazing, too. Because I read this and I wasn't even thinking about how I sat here and talked about how we come here and we meditate and we break things down and we study. Maybe we don't always have the, all the answers right away. Maybe it's always together. But we're getting there. The point is the more we meditate and bring it together, the more it's going to come together. Make it make sense. He sat there and meditated and watched and realized it's not going to work and I ain't got but one shot deal. I got but one good trick, okay? If it goes bad on Adam, then it's going to ring the alarm to Eve. They're never going to bite this tree. All right, I'm trying to paint y'all this picture. So because he was too well acquainted, when you're going to tell me that you don't need to know your enemy, your enemy, you think he don't know you? So the other thing I was going to say, um, but I'll bring it up later on. You think he don't know you and he don't study you to know what is your weaknesses, to know what you're going to take the bait of to understand your character. So you mean to tell me every turn we're not supposed, we should just think that, if he does do things that mess with us, it's just things like illness or we can't get to find our job yet or because he hasn't blessed me with a seed. And I'm talking about like, you know, some money or some, like, you know what it is. Or, you know, you name it. There's a negative in my bank account. Not today, devil. That's all you think. If, if that's what you think and you had a one-shot deal to take out the devil, like the devil had a one-shot deal to get me in the fool, you would have failed. I would fail. So that's why I'm basically pointing this out. I was basically saying he... Envy made him do it. Meditate ways and ways, more than one, and means bracking that brain and say, you know what? And I'm sure it pissed him off every time he said, damn, it's not going to work. Damn, it's not going to Because he specifically probably wanted him to fall first. Even if Eve fell after, I think the first person he would have wanted to bite it was Adam. Let's move on, though, because I've talked too much. It says the conversation with Eve was cunningly planned. She could not but be she could not but be caught in a trap. The serpent began, Is it true that God hath said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden? We may, rejoined Eve, eat of the fruit of all the trees in the garden, except that which is in the midst of the garden, and that we may not even 
touch, okay? Lest we be stricken with death. She spoke thus because in his zeal to guard her against the transgression of the divine command, Adam had forbidden Eve to touch the tree, though God had mentioned only the eating of the fruit. Now listen to this. She said that because God, I mean, Adam didn't, was so hell-bent or had a zeal to guard her from a transgression from the command that he just told her not to touch it. He never, he told her, don't treat eat of all the trees. But, and then she said, but I mean, you going to eat from these trees, but don't eat from these trees. And she said specifically, don't touch. So it says that he specifically had kind of said, don't even touch it. So instead of saying to her, don't get her confused by the fruits, just say this tree, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't let on, don't eat from it. But most of all, don't touch it. He stressed, don't touch it so much that the devil is going to use this cunning to do a switcheroo. You see, that 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 thing that he was not going to be able to do to Adam, he's going to find a way to loophole that because that's how the devil is. So, um, Adam had forbidden her to touch the, the tree, okay? Though God had mentioned only the eating of the fruit. So, it says, it remains a truth what the proverb says. Better a wall ten hands high that stands than a wall a hundred L's high that cannot stand. So in other words, 10 hands high. We see our hands, build a wall 10 hands high. If the wall is 10 hands high and it could stand, sometimes that's better to, in other words, he probably should have just told her, don't eat the fruit, exactly what the command was. So she could, and, and be zealous on what it was. Instead, he tried to build a wall that was a hundred L's high, assuming that that would stand taller saying just don't touch it that'll be even more protection double protection i made a hundred else high wall but guess what it didn't stand and so what happens here it says that um it was adam's exaggeration meaning exaggerate don't touch it don't touch it don't touch it eat don't eat too but mostly don't even touch it don't touch don't touch don't touch touching will even have you death so to, so to have her fear to touch it it was Adam's exaggeration that afforded the serpent the possibility of persuading Eve to taste of the forbidden fruit. Now it says here, the serpent pushed Eve against the tree. Look at this aggression. Look at this aggression. He pushed Eve against the tree and said, Thou seest that touching the tree has not caused it thy death. <laughs> he pushed her against the tree. Oh, word. God said, if you touch, you're going to die. Boom. Oh, see? Ooh, oh, sorry, girl. My bad. But at the same time, did you just see that you just hit that tree and you're still with me? <laughs> follow me. Follow me. <laughs> Cunning little thing. Cunning little thing. Okay? So, again, thou seest that touching the tree has not caused thy death. As little will it hurt it be to eat the fruit of the tree. Not by malevolence, uh, not by malevolence has prompted the prohibition. For as soon as ye eat thereof, ye shall be as God. As he creates and destroy worlds, so ye will have power to create and destroy as he the slain and revive, see, we will have the power to stay and revive. Um, he himself ate first of the fruit of the tree, and then he created the world. <laughs> Listen, that's what it says here. Therefore doth he forbid you to eat thereof, lest you create other worlds. Everyone knows that artisans of the same guild hate one another. Furthermore, ye have not observed that every creature have dominion, that every creature have dominion over the creature fashioned before itself. The heavens were made on the first day and they are kept in place by the firmament made on the second day. 
flat earth stuff. The firmament in turn is ruled by the planets. The creation of the third day, for they all take up all the water of the firmament. The sun and the other celestial bodies were created on the fourth day, have power over the world of planets. They can ripen the fruits. The creation on the fifth day rules over the celestial fears. So he's just going down to basically say anything that creates something automatically becomes uh, the creator or the god of it. To, to give due weight to these words, the serpent began to shake the tree violently. Again, aggression. Um, I need this done now. I mean, he's already frustrated that all this happened. Frustrated that Adam was not going to be the one, even though he would have Ooh, she could have desired it would have been him first. And if he was, and if he, ooh, even in the rage, even in the rage and in the hate, he planned and meditated for that one man. Now he got a slave of all the mankind before the Messiah to crack the sky. He tell me he ain't been sitting there meditating since that time, thinking he, he hit the ground running, child. Who was wasting time? Not him. Let's go back to here because every time I think about it, I just get all, all animated. Let's see. Oof, can't even. Pushed her against the tree. I still can't believe that. Oh, oh, sorry, you got. Oh, you all right? Oh, but girl, you hit the tree. Almost want to laugh about it, but that's just ridiculous. <sighs> to give due weight to these words, the serpent began to shake the tree violently and bring down its fruit. He ate thereof, saying, "As I do not die of eating the fruit, so wilt thou not die." Now Eve could not but say to herself. All that my master, so she called Adam, commanded me is but lies. And she determined to follow the advice of the serpent. Yet she could not bring herself to disobey the command of God utterly. She made a compromise with her conscience. First she ate only the outside skin of the fruit. And then seeing that the dearth did not fell her, she ate the fruit itself. Scarce. Had she finished when she saw the angel of death before her, expecting her end to come immediately, she resolved to make Adam eat the forbidden fruit too. Now listen to this true story here. She ate and she immediately saw the angel of death. Now thinking that she was going to die right away, realizing she was tricked and thinking she was going to die right away, she resolved to make Adam eat of the forbidden fruit too, lest he espoused another wife after her death. Y'all, ain't nothing going on here. Ain't nothing going on here but that she bit the fruit and now the fruit done contaminated her. She is not. She has become carnal. She become carnal, worldly, and flesh-like. She is no longer in the full, complete image of God Cut or I would say pull from her husband's rib. No, she's not that woman anymore. She and Adam are literally two different type of entity human walking through this garden right now. Because Adam's still not in a fallen state. As soon as she fell, she think to make him fall. It's like the spirit jumped from, from him into her through the fruit. And then now she went running to kill the man. If I'm going to die, you might as well die with me. If I can't have you, nobody can. What? That's not godly at all. You ain't going to tell me that possession stuff is godly at all. And so we got to keep on reading and see what she went and did. Ooh, it says here, uh, it required tears and lamentations on her part to prevail upon Adam to take the, the blameful step. Not yet satisfied, she gave of the fruit. She gave of the fruit to all other living beings that they too might be subject to death. Child, listen to this. It says that she gave that fruit 
Not only to Adam, intentionally, especially after she knew that what she did, she was wrong. You see, the Bible say, or scripture says, and I'm not saying that scripture is a lie, but we know that scripture has been tampered with. We know that there was a council in Nicaea. We know Rome got their hands on them books. You know, Rome controlled everything, and they're pulling stuff. We also know Rothschilds and 13 bloodlines, people who are Satan's seed. They are real. The scripture is very real, does not lie. Control these things. So we know things got taken out. Does not mean they was not there. Taken away. But going back to um this. Uh-oh, I think I was in place. She ever said every damn uh, animal. Hey, have to be the spirit of the devil. I wouldn't have said that was in the... Fr- I know the, I know the tree was of good and evil. I mean, uh, to, to, to give you knowledge of good and evil. But why does it seem like as soon as, as, as you bite it, the first thing it make you do is bad? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It, it was not the tree of life that she'd been into. It was a tree of knowledge. Maybe when you were supposed to eat it, you were supposed to eat a whole food. Maybe God was supposed to give you a little bit. Did she OD or knowledge? It doesn't matter. The point is, why did everything get so dark? And then it wasn't enough to kill Adam because you didn't want him to marry somebody else. You wanted him to die too. You started to kill off everything else in all them beautiful, uh, mystical, majestic, some apex predator uh, type. Yeah, in the earth, beings, you killed them all. It says wasn't but one bird that didn't eat, which was the Ziz. And the Ziz is what we know today to be the phoenix, a real apex predator. And God gave it um, some kind of special reward for that. Because the Ziz said, mm-mm, nope, not I, said the cat. I am not. No. Where am I? So the devil had to be in her because it tried to kill out every creature in the garden that was created by God. You know that did not come from God. Let's keep going, though. What a devil. It says all eight and all eight and they all are mortal, meaning the animals, with the exception of the bird Malham. Malham, not the Ziz, excuse me. Malham is the phoenix. Look up Malham, you'll find out Malham equals phoenix. Who refused to eat the fruit with the words, is it not enough that ye have sinned against God and have brought death to others, but you still come to me and ask and seek to persuade me into disobeying God's commands that I may eat and die thereof? I will not do your bidding. A heavy voice was heard then to say to Adam and Eve, to you was the command given. Ye did not heed it. Ye did transgress it and ye did seek to persuade the bird Malham. Uh, listen, I can't continue on there. I'm going to take a break. What I, what I mean by that is it gets so much better. I tell you all the time uh, about the Legends of the Jews, volume one and two. It's a be- beautiful. I love, I love uh, history and biblical antiquity very much. But I cannot go on and read it because I have so much more I want to talk about. I just want to, again, just re-expand and uh, bring some points home connecting the dots to our previous episodes on that note i'm going to take a break and i'll be back in a few all right we're back from break and now i would like to discuss the one and only savior and mankind the living word the logos the messiah jesus christ yeshua himself now there's a saying that um, was proposed as the motto for the first great seal of the United States by John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and Thomas Jefferson in that famous year of 1776. And that motto that they proposed was E Pluribus Unum. E Pluribus Unum. And that's just a Latin phrase that means um, out of many, one. Or one from many, right? 
And then if you ask them what they meant, they said, oh, just like you said, what does and God would trust me? Which God? Oh, God, the God of the Bible. And if you ask them what the I means, well, we just put it there just because. Yeah, you know, you ask them what it means, they always have an answer. So when they ask them or if you ask them what does it mean, they're going to say that out of many is one would be out of all the colonized states that they had or was going to build or had at the time they were going to from the colonies built one country, right? Couldn't be further from the truth. Now, um, there's also a saying, though, they're missing a word. They, they took out a word from that model. So the original saying goes, e pluribus unum deus or deus. And what that translates to in, in Latin is out of many, one God. Out of many, one God. Okay? Out of many, one God. This is what they were going to put on the seal. Now, what does that mean? <clears throat> well, you have to remember the prophecy for Abraham. This, this is like a backwards prophecy for the Antichrist. Because a prophecy for Abraham would be one man would create many seeds. So from one man would come millions of seeds. So many that if he could count the, the stars in the sky, if he could. Like, that's how many. And he couldn't. It's outnumber. Okay? So his seed was going to outnumber. And also from... Um, from his seed, especially from David down, the Davidic line from many generations came one. And, and you could say one God, but one Messiah. So that would be our Messiah. So from one came many. And then from the many, they produced one Messiah. Now they have a saying that says out of many, one or one from many. What could that possibly mean? But their reverse from many, many of us, many of the bloodlines or whatever, or many of the people, we are going to produce one. They claimed there was a colonies talking about building the United States. No. The real saying is e pluribus unum deus. Out of many, one God. And out of saying out of all of us and um, or our co cooperative, collaborative, you know, centuries of building, we are going to produce one God. Okay. We talked about on their side in previous episodes, like, um, <clears throat> the protocols of the wise men of Zion, and there's other too many written things. You know, they're they're they read. They have their just like we have our things. We read it to keep to, to keep us motivated and and inspired. <laughs> they have theirs too, okay. And it's very clear that they have to produce um a king god or something of that nature who's going to be the one world ruler of a thing. Now I said all of that to say that um I went to looking up this and what came up was livinglutheran.org okay and on livinglutheran.org if you want to take a look at this there's a logo that there is a logo on this page this is for you lutheran people i'm not lutheran i don't really follow any denomination i'm just a believer who wants to worship god in spirit and truth and just focus on the true uh, message of the word of god okay now, it says that the Lutheran people, like I said, have a logo there. It's a head. The head have to be a deity. I don't know which deity. Oh, they have to be a deity, I feel, from the Hindu religion because it has a dot on its head, which is all right. First of all, it's, 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 we're talking about Lutherans. They got the uh, silhouette of a head. It looks like I have a red dot in the middle, so I'm, uh, I'm assuming assuming that they're talking about Hinduism. Now, I'm going to pull up the picture myself because I would like to accurately depict it and I just remember it from memory. I, I actually did take a screenshot of this because I want to share it with you all. And it's funny because as soon as you click their website, it has, um, there was an article in June 23, June 23rd of 2017. It, it's actually the article, I think it was. Let me see if this was the article. It was the front page. I'm pretty sure the front page has it too. But this article is called E. Pluribus Unum Deus. Out of many, one God. And it's written by K.T. 
Sankten, S-A-N-C-K-E-N. Long story short, uh, inside the head is a the Star of David that represents Judaism. There's also, in the silhouette of the head, there's also a cross that's supposed to represent Catholicism and Christianity. There's another, like, I want to say eight-pointed, it's a star. It looks like an eight-pointed star in a circle. I know that represents mysticism. And then they have the crescent moon and the star. Who's that? That's Islam, right? And then they have, um, now, I don't know. I've seen this before, but I know it's pagan. I can't tell you which other religion or sect it is, but they also have some kind of Asian culture uh, in the background as well. It's very, very interesting that they um, put all this together because now in the same article, what do you think they're talking about? They're talking about how everybody needs to come together um, to love the neighbor. They specifically use love the neighbor scriptures to say that even though you have different national um, nationalities backgrounds and spiritual beliefs with other denominations you should still get to know your neighbor and that's why this article has the interblending of all the pagan symbols that's i don't care what nobody say if it's a religion it got a symbol attached to it it's pagan as heck okay that's why i got that there is because they're trying to do the uh, inter specifically they said let me write read what i they said is interreligious relations. They call it the E, they have an organization called the ELCA. And he specifically talk about in this article the ELCA's interreligious relations. They referenced Luke 10 29, love thy neighbor to sell this. So they're using, Lutherans are using scripture to sell interreligious relations. This has been going on for a long time because you cannot integrate the world into interreligious things overnight. You still have a lot of seasoned. Uh, old heads from a lot of religions that's not I don't know how you're gonna shut them up right away you gotta slowly but surely wait for someone to die out and raise up this new age generation that's ready to just swallow anything <clears throat> or try anything once but back to the messiah okay so first let's go back to uh we, we gotta go to Matthew Matthew 1 we're gonna go to Matthew 1 chapter 2 verse 17 Matthew 1 chapter 2 verse 17 What's King James Version, y'all? Chapter 1, verses 2 through 17. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 17. And it says here that all of this uh, is the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Now, what I wanted to say about this is that no, they say Jesus Christ, son of David. So by tracing Jesus' ancestry back to King David through the line of Davidic kings, Matthew here connects Jesus with his royal heritage because he's supposed to be like a priest king. So he's already connecting the royal heritage. The genealogy here, though, is that of Joseph, Jesus' uh, legal earthly father, the guardian, whereas the genealogy, because there's two genealogies of the Messiah, the second one will be found in Luke, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 23 to 28. Luke's genealogy is that of Mary, the actual biological blood parent, uh, you would say, of the Messiah. So either way, it shows that his bloodline, again, goes back to David because Mary is from the house of David, as well as his legal guardian, Joseph, was from the house of David. This is important to mention because obviously you have to uh, remember the Messiah was prophesied to come. The whole Old Testament is about the Messiah. It's all about the Messiah, prophesying the Messiah, the Messiah, Messiah, Messiah. This has to happen in order to build the bridge back. So what we have here is the... Uh, I guess you could say the manifestation of what needs to what needs to come to pass. And it all starts with him being 
born. So they say Jesus is also the son of Abraham because he's also the fulfillment of the covenant promises to Abraham, the forefather of the Jews. Okay, saying that through his line and through his seeds would be the Messiah. So since Matthew is writing primarily to Jewish readers, he naturally begins by emphasizing the Messiah's Jewish parentage because these people will be the ones who's reading, who's listening and knowing of the signs of, of what to know, what to look out for. Same way the generation that's going to be here when the final showdown comes, those of them that are going to be in that um generation that are still in the word, who have managed to hold on to it, just like when Daniel was in captivity or some other people when they were, uh, time and time, children Israel Israel time and time taken into captivity but still had the word still held on to it until some god sent somebody to save them whether it was moses joshua somebody always came and what would happen they would read the books again they would get familiar uh with the word of god uh remember it's like their spirit would instantly quicken and they would all rent their clothes and cry and just return on to god right so luke's um genealogy of the messiah in three chapter three verse 23 to 38 actually goes a step further because you see in Matthew 1 you have the Messiah being traced back to just Abraham okay which is one thing okay because we know that but when you have Luke's genealogy you have Luke trace the Messiah's genealogy all the way back to God all the way back to Adam and all the way back to God and it was said that Luke gave a more detailed genealogy of the Messiah because Luke was a physician or a doctor. And you know, when you are a doctor, you have to be trained to be observant, to be detailed, to be as accurate as possible. You understand? And so when he was writing the details, I guess it would be like as if he was writing any report if he was going to diagnose somebody but had to write it down in a day. And I'm pretty sure physicians did have to write a lot of notes in those days. So um, let's talk about the birth of Yeshua. Although the Messiah was a demigod, he was not conceived in the same way that the previous demigods mentioned in Genesis words, especially Genesis 6-6. And what I mean by that is he was not conceived in the same way the Nephilim were. The Nephilim were created, as we know, uh, as a hybrid race of the mixing of the fallen angels when they mated with mortal women and created abominations known as the giants nephilim men of renown okay whereas the messiah or christ was not conceived from abomination there was absolutely no sexual encounter needed or required notice how the god was able to get his demigod down here in a way that was not impure everything about it was holy through and through meanwhile he, because God knew he was going to produce a seed. He don't need, God don't need to come down here and sleep with people to make no seed. He is the ultimate creator. This is why it kills me when Muslims say, well, how would God come? Because they try to make it all sexual. It's not about that. If God says something to be, it's going to be. If he wants to, to do it, he's going to do it. And, and who are we to even say it's impossible to do? Because I can't put a whole world together. And I certainly can't carry the human. And I can't tell you how to design one from scratch and make it perfect so it don't have scars or nothing to look like Frankenstein, okay? Give me up. I'm always talking about Frankenstein on here. Frankenstein is right? I don't know. I like the story. Anyway, I'm going to move on. So, again, he was uh, not created the way that they were. He was uh, 
There was no sexual encounter needed or required. Mary became pregnant unbeknownst to her by the Holy Ghost. Now, y'all know I busted out the strong concordance uh, a while ago, and I was looking up some words. And so I said, you know, we, we, let's go back to the Holy Ghost because that's the word. It is said in the scripture that all manner of skin of sin will be forgiven man, even if you talk bad against the Messiah. It is said that the one ultimate, if you want forgiveness and repentance, not just I'm gonna get it. I think we understand that God is not cheap. He's not a, you know, he's like, he's not. You know, you gotta work for it. So my point is, um, but it's there. Um, the ghost, Holy Ghost. I said that's the one that everybody be trying to because it said the ultimate sin would be blasphemy of the Holy Ghost or. You know, saying that the, the Holy Ghost is not real. The Spirit of God is not real. There is no Spirit of God on this earth. Well, that Spirit of God is not an active, present, moving, living, being extension of God that can work, operate in this realm. And that ultimate sin actually comes down sometimes to just simply saying that the Messiah was either a mere man or that he, he didn't exist at all. It comes down to not believing. And we all know without faith is impossible to please him. Those who come to him have to, must believe. It's, how are you going to not believe and in, 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 in understand and, and feel it all in any way? So when I'm getting down to ghost, I had to figure out, well, let's look up ghosts in a strong concordance because that's where everybody is dropping this ball. They, they mock God so much. Oh, a virgin gave birth. Okay, sure. Uh, what else did they say? They say an old man like Noah. 600, so you know, they make jokes like they try to think of a 600 something year, but somebody lives 600. Years. Everybody's brain is so small when they think about a god. Yeah, a major god can't do that. But y'all who's gonna ascend, I say this every time, ever so, but y'all that's gonna ascend and go snatch open a third eye in your skull, please don't hurt yourselves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> god can't do it, but you're gonna be able to do it in, a, in about 90 days if you, if you just keep on with this course state that you signed up for by the TikTok or whatever. Y'all, give me, if you don't get out of my face, ghosts. I said, I go look up ghosts in the Strong Concordance. Ghosts is Hebrew 4151. The word is Moad. M O W A D. If you simply just want to Google it and you don't have a Strong Concordance because they have tools online, Strong Concordance free tools, you can go look it up yourself. It says that word is also connected to the Hebrew word 4151, Moed. 4150 is at 4150, excuse me. Because Ghost is 4151, Moad is connected to 4150, the word before it, Moed. And also it says it's also in reference to a Hebrew word 3259, which is Yad, Y-A-A-D. All these are interchangeable to mean this. That's what this would say by Ghost, because Holy Ghost... Holy Ghost, there is a term for Holy Ghost in in Jewish faith. It's like high, I'm not going to say it, child. But when you go to Shrem Concordance, it doesn't break down. It breaks down the word holy as one, and it breaks down the word ghost as one. So I looked up ghost, because every time I try to look up holy, I can't even find holy ghost in Shrem Concordance. Not the, not the one I found. I, had to, I found holy. It was Even if holy ghost was the word, it would specifically just highlight the H holy. Long story short. I looked up ghost. It said ghost means appointed time, um, an appointment, fixed time or season, an, assen an assembly or, con or convened for a definite purpose, place of meeting, a signal or sign as appointed beforehand, appointed, sign, time, appointed, due. All it comes to saying, the Holy Ghost, so in 
when we're going to read about Mary, the first thing it says that Mary became pregnant unbeknownst to her by the Holy Ghost. She became pregnant by the Holy Ghost. So it says, it's almost as if it's saying she got pregnant at the appointed time by the Spirit or at the fixed time in the fixed season at an assembly or convened time for a definite purpose. Okay? A signal it was. It was a sign as an appointed time before the hand. Because in prophecy of old times in the Old Testament, it was prophesied that a virgin will become pregnant and the virgin will give birth and she will name him Emmanuel. We're going to talk about all that later though. So again, to be fixed upon by agreement or appointment to direct in a certain quarter or position, meaning it's time now. So by the time she got pregnant, unbeknownst to her, there was no fallen angel, dear. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The way Satan did it is filthy because at the end of the day, him to produce a seed and God knew he was going to produce a seed because the seed producing is supposed to do what? eventually kill mankind or kill God's creation, hopefully in his eyes, um, also overthrow God. And why was the Messiah sent and why was he born to the world? Because the prophecy that was recorded in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it was very clear that the woman's seed was going to have a final showdown with the serpent's seed. Now, in case y'all, you know, people have a hard time believing the devil have a seed. So I'm bringing this point home because I brought the strong concordance out. Somebody, if you need the help, it's Hebrew word 2233. And it's Zira, not zero. It's spelled like zero, but with an A at the end. Zira, okay? Or zebra without a B, Zira. And it says here, that is also from the word 2332, Zara, meaning seed. It says it could literally mean figuratively a fruit, a plant, sowing time, prosperity, or literally carnally, child, fruitful. Okay? But every time that you see seed in strong concordance, a lot of times it's the same Hebrew 2233 going all the way down the board. And in 315, the word seed in strong concordance is 2233. And ain't no way in heck when it said, and yo seed and her seed, God said, and, and your fruit or your plant. He was talking about plants. Oh, so it's going to be a gardening match now. Okay, y'all, if that's what y'all want to, if that's what, if that's what y'all want to act like we're looking at, if that's what we're looking at, then I'll play along with you, but you need help. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. So that's what God said. Let's read it anyway. You just know somebody didn't pull it out. That's okay. They might be at work, hiding in the bathroom. We got to help somebody. Got to get the word somewhere. I won't tell. Let's see. The curse it says here, 315, Genesis 315. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thy shall bruise its heel. What seed? You, you really think he was talking about? I'm going to put enmity between your, your plants and, the, and her plants? So you thought that all this... So what you, yeah, okay. Who got the best green thumb? I'm down if, if that's what y'all want to believe, but it said that he was going to have a seed. Why um, procreation is considered a seed is because the, the womb is considered a garden. So Apple logo, I want to talk about that too. You see the Apple logo, it's just a little off topic, but it has um, the bitten apple symbolism. Yeah, that is supposed to symbolize the um, bitten fruit. Yeah, there's symbols all over here. <sighs> Same thing with um, Hebrew 
3045 for to know and Hebrew 3045 or new because that that famous verse when they said um, that uh, Adam knew his wife and she was pregnant and they swear that new or no always means sexual relations. But you have to understand that um, that word new was immediately popped up as soon as they did the, the garden. I mean, the apple in the garden, it was casted out. Everything was old. They knew they were naked. And they knew, obviously, when you say new, they were naked. These, it's exactly what it means. They knew they were under naked. They understood that they were naked. And then if you say um, right here, the eyes of them were both open and they knew. It literally is the same word. New is 3045. No is 3045. The only other time that it's mentioned as new as something else, which might be sex, I think it's 5234. Strong concordance is very clear. And even in the language, it's very clear. They may have, they had sex. All is said here as far as um, Eve. Oh, let me hurry up. And I want to read it, actually. I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I want to take this out of context. And then people going to say, I'm trying to take it out of context and make it sound like what I wanted to say. And that ain't the case at all. Come on, good book. Genesis chapter 4 we're talking about Cain and Abel but we're specifically verse 1 and Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said I have gotten a child from the Lord Adam knew and and Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said I have gotten a man from the Lord now Gonna read this again with strong concordance. I'm gonna pull it up anyway. I took a screenshot. I wanted to say what I wanted to say. I wanted to say what it says, and then you just fill in the word with the definition, and then you get the meaning of the scripture or the sentence. A better understanding of it. it's a it's a tool to help you to expand it better. All right, here we go. Oop. I pulled it up. I just want to make sure is this thirty forty five or. All right, so it says right here, ability, acknowledge, acknowledge, acquaintances, acquainted, aware, becomes known, bring forth, um, comprehend, concerned, declared, detected, discerned, experienced, find, found, had knowledge, okay? Um, had relations just does come up, but it comes up once, and it's only near the end. It says investigate, uh, know for certain, know with certainty, know assuredly, know well, knowing, knowledge, known. And this is, again, for the um, 3045, the word is yada. And this is just simply new. This is the word that every time you go to Strong Concordance and you want to go, you got to go by scripture to, fix, to figure out which new, it's 3045 straight down the page. You don't get, but see, but maybe 15234, maybe two times 5234 comes up in like a hundred scriptures where new was, and it's very clear. It doesn't mean that. Uh, oh, um, it says understand, understood. Um, take knowledge, take note, take notice. So in other words, this could be translated to um, uh, Adam, 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 and Adam was became aware and Adam had knowledge and Adam um, uh, was instructed. Adam knew was certainly, Adam knowing Eve, his wife, he seen that she conceived. That could just easily be like when you're walking around in the office someday, or maybe a guy's pre a wife is pregnant. Maybe she didn't say nothing yet because she's trying to wait. She's excited. She just went, you know, to, and maybe it's work, walk around. She might just 
look pregnant, act pregnant. Maybe she's sick. The stomach is growing. And also, this is after the garden. So knowing is a very big deal. Everything that they know at this point is just what it's going to be. Knowing. Oh, they ate the garden, so they're not going to know. They knew they was naked, okay? He knew his wife, so he understood that she had conceived, okay? And then another time, he knew again, and she conceived, and the second one was him. But specifically, when it says here, I have gotten um, a man from the Lord, which usually says that she has gotten a man, the Lord. But some say she had gotten a man from the Lord, and some people say that the translations here would say that it was a man-child, which is specifically different. The Messiah was described as a man-child, but he would be um, a man-child of light, where the first child came, if he was truly a man-child, which is the understanding, he was a child of darkness, which would have been the devil's first seed. I mean, it, why is that so hard to understand when the fallen angels was just grabbing mortal women anyway, so Satan was supposed to get a piece of tail? I'm not trying to be funny, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but Satan's supposed to be like, oh, no, I'm the only one that's not going to try to contaminate God's design. Uh, I mean, it says my seed has going to rule, and I'm the person that wants to sit on top of God. I'm the person that was already leading in heaven. I want to I wanna lead earth uh, and, and, and all these people to help with me, and eventually I want to overthrow God. And you mean to tell me, yeah, I'm doing all this... Um, um, you know, I'm I'm gonna do all this and just let y'all all have the fun and and maybe let one of y'all fallen angels seed line make it to the throne. No, he produced the seed somewhere, and I believe that he hit the ground running, smacking everybody in the face the same way he was thirsty and gung ho to get Adam. Waited, waited, waited. <clears throat> I can't get it. Got her. It's the same way. Yeah, I think he would definitely be like, what? Well, well, add to add insult to injury. Snatch her up, or do something. Because that's the understanding. And Cain does not go back to God. And it's not just because he's cursed. And it's not just because uh, Abel died and Seth took... No, it's, it has more to do with that. He was never of God. Now, this is now bringing us to what I really want to talk about, which is the serpent seed, the dual seed, the two seed doctrine. Okay? And that is something that I'm going to take a break and bring back. So the doctrine of the serpent seed, also known as the dual seed or the two seed line doctrine, is a controversial and basically what they call like fringe uh, religious, what they would say belief, okay? And it's pretty much what is used to explain the biblical account of the fall of man by stating that the serpent made it with Eve in the garden and offspring of their union was Cain. That's the understanding. This event resulted in the creation of two races of people, the wicked descendants of the serpent, literally descendants, not just people who are bad, people who do evil things. It's not that. There are people walking around amongst us, <clears throat> genetically-wise, is designed to can't get right, okay? It's not their fault, I hate to say it, but these people on top, they couldn't have the heart of God if they wanted to, especially the 13 bloodlines, which, which we would consider the Illuminati, not people who are playing the game, not the secret societies, not the people who are 33rd degree and in industries and in media and the news and all of this controlling the, the government. We're not talking about, the, we're talking about the, the 13 bloodlines. Their heart is not of God. The Holy Spirit does not live with them. It never inhabited them at all. Okay. So, yeah, it, it basically resulted in the creation of two races of people. The wicked descendants of the serpent, who are destined for, I guess you could say, damnation and hell. And then the righteous descendants of Adam, or really you could say Seth's children. You see how they kept saying Seth's children? Because Seth, they kept stressing, had the likeness of, who was as close to his likeness as um, 
Adam, who was in the image of God. So Seth was very righteous, and his children were very much modeled in that essence, as if he was, they were carbon copies of Seth. No, they were not Seth, but righteous-wise, it just it just hit. It just uh, it was it was well. Same with Shem's house. Same with Noah's house. You know, some of these houses uh, just had people who were just prominent, and they just were very righteous. Abraham as well, and the patriarchs of these households were you know. So Seth's children were doing very well, and it was righteous for some time. But what happened with Seth's children? Not all of Seth's children stayed pure in the bloodline because they eventually got called off the holy mountain. There was a mountain that they lived of high up. They let the children of Cain go be down there, mix it with fallen angels, having abomination children. Women, the first mortal women that the uh, the uh, fallen slept with became the first witches of the world. They were the first witches of the world. They taught them, not just the men, but they taught the women all the, the casting of the spells, the, the root cutting, metals, the dyeing of the colors for um, cloth, making weapons for war, and all this other stuff. Everything that was ungodly, and they swayed the children of Seth over the mountain, intermingled with them, because now you have hybrid races and fallen contaminating the bloodline of Seth. Why intentionally and on purpose to try to stop the coming of the Messiah? Because they knew they already killed out Abel through Cain. This is Cain's children. Okay, you have to wonder why Cain's children are so hell bent. You just because Cain was uh, said to be uh going to be avenged or Cain was uh, kicked out and Cain was no longer regarded and he was exiled. That's why they had so much revenge for, for Seth and his children. That makes absolutely no sense, especially when he was marked with protection. Seems like there was a spinner running through them too. And honestly, there is no maybe about that. It was the same spirit because the spirit that ran through Cain, he was of his father, the devil, which is why the Messiah gave the clue that you are of the father of your father. You know, he was a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was the first murderer. There's only one murderer in the beginning. Only means Genesis when you're talking about symbolism, especially when the Messiah is talking. <clears throat> he doesn't just say the beginning for any old reason. So, yes, it's two lines. There's two bloodlines of people running around down here, okay? And even though there's bloodlines that can trace back to God, please understand that just because the bloodline can be traced back to God, even if it's not through the 12 tribes or Shem, but definitely through one of Ham's three sons, the world was repopulated. You have to understand, since that time, there's still races that live amongst us. In plain sight, <laughs> probably live amongst us too and i'm talking about hybrid races this is where you get the stories of the hancocks and the spider-mans and the batman wasn't really hybrid but spider-man was he got bit by a spider and then all of a sudden he turned into this and then, you know hancock especially the character of um, charlie's Theron, they were supposed to be looking like humans living amongst us but they were trying to hide their powers same thing marvelous all the time with glass and the character that bruce willis played who was really strong they tried to make those human hybrid individuals make them feel like they were sick and they needed the government to come take them out of society. Notice how the government kept wanting to take them out of society. Same thing with Hancock. I think of put him in jail, but that's because he was a threat. He was, not only was he drunk, but he was messy, you know. You didn't want giants, which he's not a giant, but you didn't want anybody with that kind of hybrid power walking amongst you. So once they found out about Bruce Willis' character, they take them in for studying, but they try to really just keep them out of society, dope them up, and just study them. God only knows what else they do with their DNA. So, yeah, um, it, um, the second child is when Eve had relations with Adam, okay? And Abel would be the first child, and then the second child would be the younger brother, Seth, or the offspring that was produced by that union, 
Anyway, they still resulted in two races of people. The first event produced the wicked descendants of the of the serpent who are destined for damnation, according to Genesis 3.15. So it's like you would have to say that God is a liar and the serpent doesn't. It's like, what are you saying? Is we're lying? Or are you saying that God is lying? Somebody's lying. And I guess it would be easier to say that we're lying, but then what did God mean? And I already went to a strong concordance and said, it just says seed, 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 all the same. 3045, not 3045, 2233, 2233, 2233. And it only meant one thing. You know, we know what seed means. They use seed now today, and even in the slang. That's my seed, seed. I'm going to try to say, and there is seed for too, but we know what we're talking about here. The devil have to produce a seed. And even if you didn't understand how, or how does that make sense, or, the, or even if you thought the serpent was a snake for real, which the serpent wasn't a snake for real, it was a shape-shifting being. That's what I believe. You you would still have to say, well, what's this going on here in Genesis chapter 6? So it would have to be some truth that angels can fall. It didn't say that it was right that it, they did it. It didn't say that God accepted it. It was, it was holy. It was unholy, but it happened. Some things we just have to accept is it happened. So anyway, um, human history has a conflict between the two races. It's really the ultimate tale of two cities or two races. And the descendants of Adam will eventually triumph over the descendants of Cain and the serpent. That's how it ends. So going back to why the Messiah was sent or why he was born into the world is to redeem mankind from his fallen state. It's something that was only caused by Satan causing his own fall and the fall of his one third. Literally something that we had nothing to do with but was caught in the middle of. On top of that, there was this large, I hate to say it, but... They were jealous of mankind. A lot of angels, not just Satan. Satan was the one that led the outcry. Satan was the one that led the uh, war, I guess you could say, uh, the uprising. But there was more than one angel, more than two. As, as we know for a fact, a third or a triad of angels did not like us or did not think that we was all of that and refused to bow down to us because they did not feel that we had any worth or value, okay? And neither did God. Jealousy. Jealousy. Okay, so the reason why the Messiah is sent was to become a bridge and a gateway back to light, back our path to the proper plan and destiny and purpose that God had for us in the beginning. To love this world is to not love God. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It says here in Romans 12 and 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Mark 8.36 For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Okay. So, John, this is the Messiah here, 16 and 33. These things I have spoken unto you. That in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Okay. I'm trying to see if there's any more that I want to share here. Jesus spake to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And again, what profit of a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16 and, and 26. Scripture is very clear. It says, one John, 1 John 5 and 5. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth in Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God? 
It's the only way out. Here's the door. Everybody love. What are you holding on to here? What's so great down here? It's so sinful. Everybody's suffering down here. Even those people who's hanging on. We all bear our cross every day. It's the Lord that make it better for us. We have them telling us here in John uh, 15 and 18. There's a Messiah. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. So this world is not for us. This world was not the world that was handed to Adam for us. It's the fallen state. My most favorite scripture of all. <sighs> First John 4 and 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Never fear. shouldn't fear. Okay? The power is within the kingdom is not here yet. This is not our world. On that note, I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be back to, I think, wrap up. But there is a lot more I want to say. Okay, so another reason that the Messiah was sent back was because he was the second or the last Adam, the perfect law keeper. There's something that Adam was unable to do. And so there has always been a redemptive storyline in God's plan. God was, or Christ was made a little lower than the angels, a little lower than the angels. So remember, we were talking about um, the nine choir of angels, and we know what that is. And we said that the Messiah would have been all the way at top because he was right there with God at the creation uh, and existed with God from the beginning and uh, will rule at the end. And we said that the cherubim or Lucifer was below him about two degrees. So Lucifer fell from a higher rank, but then you have a humble Messiah who just came down who just came down and lowered himself and humbled himself and came all the way down here to lower himself a little lower than the angels. Because remember, the, the angels are the lowest of the nine choirs of angels to come down here and be the perfect law keeper. Because if we didn't even have one, if even messed up like Adam because he fell for a woman and a woman said or whatever, or even when the devil came and said, bow down and worship me. That was him trying again. Very surprised that Satan didn't do what he did to um to the Messiah, what he did to Adam in the garden, which was say, I, I can't trick this man. Why would you think you could see you can't trick Adam? But you're gonna sit there. I guess because he was desperate and he he said, you know what, even if it doesn't work, I have I have I have another plan. I have millions of plans. I don't care if they all fail at this is it. I'm gonna try it anyway. The gall of him. Okay, so you had a cherubim fall down. And it's funny because a cherubim was one that guarded the garden with the fiery sword. It was not Lucifer, but it was a cherubim. So that's how powerful they were. You fell from all the way down there to here. You can't get back. The Messiah willingly came down, humbled himself, humbled himself, came from glory all the way down here to walk through all the sin for us. You know, it said that Adam gave 70 years of his own life to David. Because God showed him that mankind would have redemption. Because Adam was very severely depressed. He felt that all of mankind would hate him. But God showed him that he had a plan. He showed him everything from the 12 tribes all the way down to you and me. Every generation of man. Because he's the first man. All the things that's going to happen. And he saw that there was a precious soul named David that was not going to live before a few hours after his birth. And that if this soul didn't live that prophecy was not going to come to pass and so instead of living a thousand years adam lived only um 930 years because he gave the last 70 years to david and if you look at david's life he lived exactly 70 years because adam did that and gave that because he knew that was going to help to bring the davidic kingdom back to bring the messiah back very very powerful and you find that out in the um legends of the jews uh, volume one by rabbi lewis ginsburg hebrews 
2 and 7 says, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedest him with glory and honor and didst set up over him the works of thy hands. Made him a little lower than the angels in human form. We are a little lower than the angels. And the only lower it gets other than the angel is the human that's made from dust of the crown, the ground, not Shekinah glory. <laughs> but at least we have the breath of God breathed into us. Those of us who are descended of... Um, Seth, or at least uh, the, the ten, the ten, the uh, three sons of Noah. I meant the uh, the that created the original ten nations of the table table of nations. That's where I get ten. Now, see if I'm gonna go here with the. Uh, what else did I want to say about that? So yeah, we also have the pre-incarnate Christ walking around the Old Testament as well, doing work. He is not here as the Messiah yet, but he did come down. Uh, with two angels but they were in the form of men they did not come they did not come down and say i'm the messiah you're going to see me later my name's going to be jesus or, or, or yeshua at that time no no every time he comes down he comes down for what he needs to do he needed abraham and sarah to mate so they could produce isaac their faith was not whole when it came to that and he made the prophecy and sarah was overhearing and she laughed but he came back and what happened he had a male child okay so we know he came down then we also know that he came down when there was a Sodom and Gomorrah. As a matter of fact, that was the situation right before Sodom and Gomorrah. And they went to Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, there was a few other times that the uh, Messiah came down. But every time he came down, it was for a purpose. Some say he was Melchizedek, even though the high priest, even though some in some Jewish legends, they said that that was Shem. Shem was the uh, king of Salem at the time. So, you know, but we do know that we have a, a pre-incarnated Christ. Uh, it's supposed to be Moses speaking to the Messiah in the Old Testament in chapter 8 and I mean in chapter 18 and 19 it says something along the lines that um the pre-incarnate Christ uh helped to it doesn't say in 18 and 19 but those are references but I know specifically in Luke 24 and 27 it says it and in Colossians uh chapter 1 verses 15 through 18 so Moses, when he was speaking, he thought he was speaking, well, he thought he was speaking to God, the invisible spirit, but he was speaking to the Messiah. So that was him on the mountain, not necessarily prophesying about himself, writing a book concerning me about me coming to save mankind. So they know this is exactly why thousands of years later, they knew what they were looking at when it happened, which is why it's important for us to know, because nothing has come to pass yet as far as I'm coming back a second time to know the sign of the times. Okay. And also, there's always an appeal to believe because, you know, when you're a believer, you can't just say you believe this and you don't be believe that. With You know, it is without faith. It is impossible to to uh, please him. So I wanted to throw in some scriptures real quick about that just to remind everyone once again, because as believers, you know, how, how much do you believe? I had to throw my I'm all in, baby. I had to throw myself in. I'm all in. It says James, um, James chapter two, verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. The only person that was called the friend of God, he believed God. He believed everything about God, was willing to forsake his father, Haran, and that pagan Babylonian system where Nimrod was king and Nimrod was his family. It didn't matter if he believed in it or not. He could have worshipped God in stone, wood in stone. And he said, no, he could have worshipped a thousand gods. And he said, no, it was him. He said, no, I'm not going to. And I want to follow you. And God said, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And he said, I'm going to test your faith to see if you really trust me. Sacrifice your son unto me. And you know what? He went doing it knowing that God was not going to allow it. 
It was said in Jasher that he had faith the entire time. It was said in Jasher when Abraham went to go sacrifice his son, three times the devil shapeshifted and appeared to him. First as a young child to go to Isaac and say, what are you doing? Why would your father kill you? Run, save yourself, something along that lines. I think a second time as an old man to Isaac to say, why would you, I mean to Abraham and say, why would you kill this child? You waited a long time. Why would a God like that? Why would a God ask you to do that? Turn back, don't do this thing. And then a third time when they tried to cross, there was a river, a river that never been there, a violent river, a raging river. And that's when they realized, it literally said it was Satan shape-shifting into the river. Abraham had that faith, was not for Father Abraham. And Abraham was not the type to just say, well, I'm just looking for a guy. He really tried to test out everything. He really, what well, God said is, uh, seek my face and, and try me out and prove me. You know what I mean? Prove me as in, well, what's this? And when he said, he tried the son, not to worship it, but that's what his father's and, and Nimrod and them were saying. And they said it didn't do anything. It came every day at the same time and didn't have any power. He really tried these things. The same way when Abraham sojourned to Egypt during the famine. He didn't just go in there and say, y'all pay it, I'm running. He can sit down with people, keep his faith but still have discussions with other people as to what it was they believed why and also was able to tell them the truth about what it really was and sometimes persuade people to come over or just say you are a very wise man this is how they got the the prophecy the prophecy from abraham that there would be a birth a virgin birth which sound later on nimrod and them try to copy everything everything saying try to do is try to copy and also uh by the time he came on the scene there was a lot of december 25th deities which is really just fallen angels or satan himself manifesting trying to get everybody to be like by the time you say the messiah well all these other stories was from here they're just copying this story they're just christianity just copying this christianity really or, or god is just copying this the messiah story is just copying that or is there a serpent out there trying to copy emulate god since the beginning of time you know is that the real question here so it says in james um the, uh, the original verse for when abraham believed it says genesis 15 and 6 and he believed in the lord and he counted it to him for righteousness, okay? James, 22, James 2 and 23, I read to you already, said, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Nobody else is called the friend of God. Enoch, walk with that, walk with God, and we don't even have nobody else that gets that honor. So somebody say friend of God, or somebody walk with God, that's a very big deal. Okay, and that didn't just happen because and when and when James was quoting it, he was quoting something hundreds and centuries of years later, thousands hundreds of years later, that he understood from reading what we know in Genesis. He's just doing the same thing I'm doing this quote and saying right here it was said and 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 so because they hold on to Father Abraham for the faith. It's hard not to because it was not for him. You know, it's not for, it was not for a lot of people. And a lot of them didn't even meet each other. They all just died knowing the faith. They did what they were supposed to do in their allotted time and season. Now, I like this. I, I had liked a, a, a definition of, of how to explain God and the, and the Messiah. So it says, John Calvin in his commentary on Colossians state that God in himself is invisible, which is true. God is a spirit. We have to understand that. Okay, God is a spirit who wants to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. It's the only way to truly worship him. So God in himself is invisible. He is revealed only through us in Christ alone. So you have people have a hard time trying to put that into vision. So I liked what he said here, and I thought I would read that to help somebody. That God in himself that is in his naked majesty is invisible and that not to and that not to the eyes of the body merely but also to the understanding of men and that he is revealed to us in christ alone that we may behold him as in a mirror for in christ he shows us his righteousness goodness wisdom power in short his entire self i used to like to say by the time i was able to put it into words because it's two is two two is one 
That's what you have to understand is two is one because God, when he puts the, the kingdom down here and the Messiah down here with us, that's going to be him allowing the Messiah to reign as God on earth. But he is a spirit. It's as if the Messiah would be like, it would be like his arm or an avatar. It's like if you're playing a video game, but it's not a video game, but you're, you're the controller. So you hold the game or the council or the, or the control in your hand. But you have your little player and you could maybe customize your player, but your player is playing a game. But this is your game. If this is your game and this is your universe and you created everything, then, yeah, this is like your little avatar that you have moving amongst it. It actually said that man have never set eyes on God himself. OK, so that's why people say, well, who was that on the mountain? It was on, it was a Messiah giving down the Ten Commandments. It was a Messiah who gave Moses the first five books of the Bible. OK, it was the Messiah. It's as if um, when you think about the movie Avatar, uh, it was a human who was a, a soldier. He was paralyzed i'm pretty sure but to infiltrate that world right it was another world they was in a completely different world they was trying to infiltrate he had to get into a suit and make an avatar of himself in that realm in that in that body in a body of the realm of the people he was going to and no he was not the messiah but it would be as if like that because they are one in the same one goes to the right one goes to the left you know and the holy spirit is not necessarily it's a three it's a godhead of three there is a spirit that emanates from both of them that does travel through the universe and through here so there is a spirit but it's like uh exactly what it is an energy or a force that radiates from the throne that comes down all through the virgin universe to it and still operates in real time in this earth because god is still very much in control no matter who is the prince of this world there still is a plan Okay, so I really like that he said that. <clears throat> so it says here in Philippians, it says that God being, Christ being in very nature is God. So it says in uh, 6, of Philipp actually Philippians verse chapter 2, verses 4 through 11, but specifically verse 6, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even on the cross, or really conquered death. That's how I look at it. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that no one knows. Remember, I told you his name is no longer Messiah, I mean, Yeshua. That's, that's for now. Coming back again, he's going to have a new name, and so will you and I. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So that name is still powerful, but there is a new name that will be revealed when the Messiah comes back. Last thing I want to say before I wrap up, and I will come back to revisit another time, is that, um, you know, one of the most important verses in the New Testament in terms of helping us search for the pre-incarnated Christ in the Old Testament is the first chapter of the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Which specifically says, in the beginning was the Word, or the Logos, which was the Messiah, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him were all things made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and through that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the, but the darkness understood it not. The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling upon us. The living word. The living word came down. The li living word. Okay. The living law. Okay. The perfect law. He literally represents the perfect king. The perfect priest. Okay. You got a king priest. And so it just says also that. Um, 
we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Also, note that every use of the application, quote unquote, word mentioned, um, which is a translation of the Greek word locos, which basically means thought, reasoning, or divine expression. So basically, just the word that for the fact that they refer to him as logos means that the Messiah was the reasoning or the divine expression of God, the mirror or the avatar of God. It doesn't even mean that that's what God looked like. Okay, it's just that, and what he would have looked like was uh, uh, a Israelite, a Hebrew Israelite, because he would have had to come from the blood. So I guess exactly what they did was Mary's, you know, genetics and stuff. But that don't mean that doesn't mean any more than um that we still don't know what God looked like. For a man to look at the face of God, we would pass out and die. Because again, God is a visible spirit that lives in the ultimate highest heavens and we cannot go there. But he did bring something down to us. And how humbling. You got somebody that fell and it's just like, you got somebody that came all the way down. The big, the why that's so important is because this is the only, he's a judge, he's, he's a judge, he's a king and he's a priest. And he's going to be the perfect judge that you could ever have because he's the only person that can judge you that actually walked in your shoes. He actually walked through your shoes and was tried and understanding every time what you've been through. Everything you go through, he went through too. The only difference is he did it right and he did not give up. He did not eat of the fruit. He did not he did not get lusty and desires. He did not, you know, thief and steal. He's, he did what he was supposed to do. He held on to it the way he was supposed to. And, and it, it says in scripture, no better love than a man hath than this, that, that they would lay their life down for their friends. I don't know anyone, and I know everybody's personal story is different. If we all wrote a book, it'd be a bestseller, but I personally don't know anybody who willingly laid their life down for me, okay? They saw me sitting here, saw me being bored, saw me, saw my end, my generations, my descendants, if I have anything, and said, no, mm -mm, I'm coming down, and I'm going to do what needs to be done. Part one is done. Part two is coming back. I don't know anybody that personally died for me. I don't know anybody that personally died for me today. Because today, if you get hurt in the street, you know what they're going to do? If you're lucky to have a good Samaritan, they're going to they're gonna help you. A person of God may help you. Somebody, if it's their place of business, a home may help you because they don't want to get sued. But for the most part, everybody's going to bust out a camera, try to go viral and get some kind of, you know, props off of you. World star or something else. World star was how it first started. It just got worse with social media. Okay. So I don't know that. You know, it's a very, very big deal what happened um, on the cross. Had he, had he just sinned once. It's not because he, Messiah's not here to say, I'm perfect, I'm perfect. Why can't y'all be perfect? So much as I had to do it perfectly for y'all. So when y'all stand at the judgment, I'm holding my right hand high for you. I could say, don't, no, no. I understand. I understand the temptation. So when I'm judging you, I'm understanding you from uh, a, a level where I could see you eye to eye. I was there. You know, I had to conquer it so that I could conquer it here for you now. But for the 80% that you're righteous, the 20%, that's not clean because we're all four short. The Messiah makes up that 20%. Hell, give me even 50-50. If you was trying in the last days before, you know, God and called you home, you could you could have been 99% bad. If, if if some of them, like the thief on the cross and the one that said, I believe, he could have been 99% dirty. Lord knows he was sentenced to die by the world. The Messiah said, I'll make up that 1%. I'll make it 1% clean, I mean. 99% dirty. That Messiah would have made it that 99% in an instant. It's not about how much dirty you are or are you too dirty. There's no such thing as too dirty for the Lord. Just go and, and get it. You know what I'm saying? It's available to you. Just come to the throne and ask. Ask abundantly. Demand if you have to. He'll answer you. Okay? Don't want to leave nobody here behind. Messiah coming to be perfect so that every time you read it and you realize you're not perfect, you just feel terrible, close the book and run away. No. There's a bigger lesson there to be. And that's what, the, that's what the devil wants you to see. You're too dirty. You can't go. But that was never the message. As a matter of fact, I say it all the time. The Messiah was here today. He be running straight for these witchcraft people. All these occult people. 
And then the real Jews will be like, what you doing? You're supposed to be a Jew. You over there hanging out with the occult. He'd be like, well, the, the sick don't need a physician. You know how the Messiah know how to give back to them without, do, 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 do sick people need a doctor? Well, the righteous don't need a savior right now. They are right there and they were. They meditating like they're supposed to day and night. Mm -hmm. Amen. These are the ones I got to get over. It's called the lost sheep. Not just the lost sheep of Israel, the lost period. Anybody got time for saying his tricks? So on that note, you guys, I love you all. Thank you all for listening and hanging in there with me. Um, I'm going to come back with part two. I don't know if it'll be the very next episode, but I will revisit because we know when it comes to the Messiah, it's a very broad subject and not one to rush, you know. So we are going to give him the due respect that he deserves. Love you guys. I'll see you all next time here on Who's on the Lord's Side.